He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Asian Cinema Fusion. I am your host, Paul Martinez, and I am sitting stranded at home in the middle of a snowstorm, and that pretty much stinks, but the good thing about it is I can watch and talk about some great Asian cinema, and uh, we're going to talk about five films today on our uh, show, and uh, yes, finally, after <laughs> so long of promising we're going to start off with The Handmaiden. Uh, this is made uh, in South Korea, 2016, directed by the great Park Chan-wook, who, of course, you would know from the Vengeance Trilogy, which, of course, is um, Old Boy and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance. He also is responsible for Joint Security Area and the American film Stoker, which I wasn't the biggest fan of, but... If you're familiar with that film, uh, that was also directed by Mr. Park. Starring Kim Min-hee, who plays Lady Hideko. Uh, you might know her from the film No Tears for Dead. Actually, I've never seen it, but uh, if you have, that's, uh, you remember her from there. Kim Tyree, who plays Suki. Uh, this was her feature film debut. And Ha Jung-woo, who uh, plays Count Fujiwara. Uh, he is known most notably for The Chaser, um, also Yellow Sea. Uh, he was in a film that we viewed on here not too long ago, The Tunnel. Ha Jung-woo, uh, a very underrated actor in Korea. So our tagline, as you know if you're a fan of the show, we always have our own little makeup taglines for each film. And for this one, it's, Who Does She Truly Serve? So, this movie is basically about a con man who enlists an orphaned thief to help steal a Japanese heiress's fortune. But she begins to have second thoughts. So, when I saw this, I really did not know about, uh, I'm sorry, I really did not know much about what the film was about. I really try not to read reviews or synopsises of films, as I want a fresh perspective when I do watch it. So, as this film, which is almost two and a half hours long, begins... It seems to be headed in a certain way. And to be honest, I was almost slightly bored. Um, then about the one hour mark, I'd say, the twist that started to begin. And this film really, really takes off. It's very smartly written and even better acted. Uh, we do see some moments of levity, but I wouldn't classify it as a comedy. Um, I have heard some kind of listed as comedy. I, I understand why maybe, but I wouldn't. Um, there are some intense moments, but I really wouldn't call it a thriller either. And actually, it's not really quite a drama, is it? It's kind of a mashup, really. There's a lot of different genres. And add to that some extremely erotic scenes, which, to be honest, surprised me. And this film truly does have it all. 
Now, I mentioned the acting, and it was quite sublime. Especially newcomer Kim Tyree. I think the sky's the limit for this young woman. I can't wait to see more uh, from this very talented young star. Uh, you know, Han Jung-woo is his usual solid self. And Kim and he was extremely good. And, you know, actually the whole cast from, uh, I mean, the film was basically surrounding these three characters. But there are other ca uh, cast members and really everybody performs well. And, you know, I usually feel when I see a really well acted film, I kind of put that on the director. I feel, um, yeah, of course, the actors have to be good to have good acting performances, but I really feel a good director gets the most out of his actors. And so, you know, much kudos to uh, Park Chan-wook on this because uh, I really thought this was a fantastically uh, acted film. Uh, the story is told so well, and what he does, he almost retells the film later but from a different perspective, which is quite remarkable. Now, we get the film, as I said, you watch about an hour of the film and you kind of feel this is where the film is going and, you know, almost, you know, not cookie-cutter plot at all, but you kind of just see where this general, the general direction the film is, is headed. And then, like I said, about the one-hour mark, kind of everything changes. And he almost goes back and retells the film. And at that point, you just really realize, like, just what a great, great job this is. There are some twists here that honestly I didn't see coming. And what we learn is, it seems at some point, no one is who they seem to be at the start. And the way these things are revealed are done in a very slick fashion, which is another kudos to the direction. Like I said, I really don't want to give away too much about what the film is about. I hate doing that. Like I said, I don't like reading a film where it kind of tells you what the story is. But like I said, I mean, the very at the top, I said, and that is basically what the film is about, is a young orphan thief is hired to uh, help steal this Japanese heiress's fortune. Uh, but as time goes on, uh, she develops feelings uh, for this heiress herself and becomes to despise the man who's uh, hired her. And so this causes her to rebel in the plan. But the plan isn't what the plan you think it is. It's, you don't really know what the plan is until you go further. So um, definitely twists and turns galore. Uh, a lot of erotic stuff here. Really, but there's not much I can complain about the film. But of course, there's no film that is perfect in my eyes. And like I said, there are a lot of explicit scenes in the film. And listen, I'm no prude. Uh, and believe me, I have been known to enjoy the occasional hot scene. But in this film, it felt almost like a bit much at times. Almost to the late night Cinemax level, if you know what I mean. Um, but this is really the very essence of nitpicking at this point. Because this is a great film. And I gave it an 8 out of a 10. It will be released, if it isn't already, on WellGo USA Home Video which usually means a trip to Netflix as well. And if in, in I'm sorry, a little tongue-tied. I think it's all the cold <laughs> from the snow surrounding me. Um, if you are in the New York City area, it is still playing at a couple of theaters if you look around in uh, downtown Manhattan. Uh, it's still showing The Handmaiden. And uh, definitely a film I think you should check out. This is really good. Um, I would argue to say this is the best thing he's done since Old Boy. Uh, director Park Chang-wook, and it is just a really, really good film. Okay, our next film, Soul Station, 
also out of South Korea and also from 2016, directed by Yeon Sang-ho, who uh, is known for another animated film, The King of Pigs, as well as the fantastic Train to Busan, which we reviewed on here not too long ago. It is starring that this is an animated film, uh, so uh, starring the you know we have the voices is Shim Young Kyung, who is the voice of Hai Sun. Uh, she is best known for Hansel and Gretel and Masquerade. Uh, Raul Sung Ryong, who plays Suk Gyu, uh, he was also in Masquerade and as well as War of the Arrows. And Lee Jun who plays Ki Wong, and he, you might remember from Rough Play, it's really, I think, the only thing I've seen him in. I know he's in a film called The Piper, which I haven't seen. Uh, so Lee Jun uh, is also voicing Ki Wong, a very important character in this film. And uh, my tagline for this is, End of the Line. So, this serves as a companion piece to Train to Vassan. It's deemed a prequel, but it really has no characters from the other film. So I, I, to me, I don't think of it as a prequel. I think of it as just, like I said, a companion piece to Train to Busan. I don't think it would matter if you saw this one first or that one first. It doesn't really matter. Like I said, none of the characters, neither film gives anything away for the other film. So um, you could watch either of these films in either order. It does tell the story of a young prostitute who is trapped in a zombie-infected city while her father and boyfriend frantically search for her. Now, I will have to say, I'm not the biggest fan of anime, which I know a lot of people find weird, being I'm such a big fan of Asian cinema, how can I be a big fan of anime? But this was something that never really gra- I've never gravitated towards. But this was good, and possibly it's opened me up to seeing a lot more. Uh, the production was top-notch. The characters were not drawn with that over-cartoony style I see for many Jap animation projects. And despite it being animated, there was a sense of realism to the characters that I just don't see in a lot of other uh, anime. So um, this is the kind of anime I like, where it's a little bit more of a realistic uh, telling. I mean, as realistic as it could be with zombies running around, of course. Now, the story starts off as a typical zombie story. Um, you know, slowly the infected rise, then soon everyone is overrun. Now our characters will stay alive while trying to find one another. But there's another element here. One that looks into the social class of South Korea, including the subject of the homeless. Something I haven't seen touched on anywhere before. Add to that one hell of a twist that I never saw coming. One that had my mouth agape when it happened. And this makes this just a really, really fun watch. The voiceovers were a bit over the top, I felt at times. But I guess that's something you get in these type of films. Uh, characters sometimes are whining or crying in extreme ways. Which just, maybe just to me, felt, made it feel, I guess, a bit contrived, I guess, for lack of a better word. But again, I'm not going to dwell on that. Um, what we did have was some very tense moments, some scares, and a lot of fun. They did a good job of capturing a lot of the similar feeling from the Train to Busan film. If you saw Train to Busan, and if you, just let me just pause here. If you have not seen Train to Busan, I don't know what you're waiting for. You must see Train to Busan. 
if you have not seen it, seriously. I don't even care if you're not a zombie film fan. Chain of a Sun is one of the best films I've seen in years. You really need to see it. Um, but, okay, back to Soul Station. You get a lot of the similar feelings you got from Train of a Sun about this. And it's like almost exhilarating in it. It's just really, really fun. And like I said, there are twists, there are turns, there are characters you're going to hate, there's characters you're going to like. Just like you see with any uh, of these films in this genre. So if you are a fan of zombie films, then I really think you would enjoy this. I certainly did. I give this a 7 out of 10. And as I said, I really don't think you need to see Train the Bassan to see this. Or you need to see one before the other. But I really do think you need to see both of these films. Um, they are definitely films you will have a good time watching. Okay. So those are our two uh, new releases that we released. And of course, here we are. I haven't named the selection. I haven't come up with a catchy name for it. But what it is, is you know, a film that... It's not too old that I just kind of missed and never got a chance to see and finally went back and watched it. And I'm reviewing it for you. And the one we have here today is Ruroni Kenshin. Uh, 2012 out of Japan. Directed by Kaisi Otomo. Who did the entire Ruroni Kenshin trilogy as well as the TV series. As this is, comes from a TV series which comes from a manga. Which is kind of quite common in a lot of Japanese stuff. So, it's starring Takaru Sato as Himura Kenshin. Uh, you might know him from the Kamen Rider films. And also, If Cats Disappeared from the World, which was a very popular film that came out um, last year. Also starring Emi Take as Kamiya Karo. Uh, she's basically known for TV productions. She hasn't really done much in the film industry. Uh, Koji Kikawa, who plays Udu Jinni. He's really uh, also known for the Jet Kamen Rider films, and he's also is a, a pop star. I don't know if you would consider him a pop star. He's a Japanese singer. Not sure if his music would be considered J-pop. Uh, probably not. But uh, he is a popular singer in Japan. And he's uh, done some acting. Like I said, he's been in the Kamen Rider films. And Munataki Aoki as Sagara Sanoski, who you might know from Twisted Justice. He also has a small role in Martin Scorsese's new film, Silence. And I, again, um, I'm not great in pronouncing Japanese names. So if I butchered any of the names, I apologize. And our tagline for this film is Swords of Peace. So, what's this film about? A famous samurai decides to walk a different path after the war has ended. But his reputation casts a large shadow. And even more so when someone else decides to use it. So, here's a film, as I said, I had not gotten around the scene. And shame on me for that. This was a fun, exciting, and well-made film. I don't know how the sequels failed, uh, fared in comparison, but I will say after seeing this, I definitely want to see uh, more of them. So I definitely am going to be looking to watch the sequels of this. Uh, the story of a former killer who now has become a wanderer. It's not all that original, but we do get the added bonus of an imposter who is causing havoc all over the late 1800s Tokyo. There are some light-hearted moments um, early on, but this is no comedy. It's a samurai tale, 
and told beautifully while still having all the action you crave and some brutal violence to boot. Um, the action scenes are where this film leans on most, and with good reason. We get some great battles, especially Kenshin and a gun-toting swordsman. That was just fantastic. In fact, the last 40 minutes or so is almost non-stop action. But many times, I will say, while the action is great, it lacks substance in either the plot, uh, character development, or other details, you know, in other films. But this is not the case here. This was a great story added to some great action. Now, the acting was overall excellent. I really enjoyed uh, Takaru Sato in the lead. Uh, yeah, he seemed a bit young and honestly a way too pretty, even with his famous scar. Uh, still, he really had a great screen presence and really pulled off the killer who refuses to kill. But everyone played their part well. The main baddie was over the top, but as it should be for this type of film. The henchmen were ultra cool in their murderous roles. Really, I can't complain about anyone. Even the sometimes annoying child protege delivered his lines in a pretty believable way. There was an underlying romantic comedy story here, but it didn't get in the way of the flow of the film. Sometimes I find that aspect is kind of shoved down the viewer's throats. You know, know your audience. You know, if you want to make a love story, then make one. Uh, but this is a samurai tale, and that's where its loyalty stood, is in the fact it is a samurai tale. And yes, we can have uh, romantic moments, and we can have uh, other types of plot thrown in here. But, you know, don't forget what you are trying to be. And this film never did that. Really, um, this is just a really, really good film. And if you're like someone who tends to feel Japan's films are a little too schlocky at times, which I do feel that way sometimes myself, then this is for you. This is low on gore and excessive violence, but still high on action with a great story and characters that you will just fall in love with. And I gave this an 8 out of 10, but this is really, really a good film. A fine, fine film. And, if, you know, if you like martial arts, you're going to love this. If you like samurai stories, you're going to love this. If you like good drama, you're going to... I just think if you're just a fan of good movie making, then this is a film you're going to really want to watch. Okay, we move on now to our old school selection. And this time I picked Brothers 5. This is made uh, out of Hong Kong in 1970. It's a Shaw Brothers uh, production, directed by Lo Wei. That's right, Lo Wei, who is, of course, much more famous for Big Boss and Fist of Fury, which are Bruce's two big major films, as well as New Fist of Fury and Dragon Fist, which is in the early days of Jackie Chan, uh, starring Cheng Pai Pai as Miss Yan, uh, of course, known for Come Drink With Me, a Golden Swallow, and if you're not a big fan of the old school stuff, you would know her as Jade Fox from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Also starring Lo Lei, who plays Gao Jia, uh, who of course, I mean, if you're a fan of old school kung fu movies, you know him from King Boxer, aka Five Fingers of Death. Uh, he's also been in Born Invincible, which we reviewed on here not too long ago. Clan of the White Lotus, as he plays the famous monk Pai Mei. 
Uh, Lole's been in, oh my God, so many films. Um, sometimes as the hero, sometimes as the villain. Probably me more notably as a villain. But uh, this is one of his films as the hero. Also starring Chang Yi, who plays scholar Gao Qi, who, he's been in hundreds of films it seems, but uh, probably most notably Eagle's Claw, also The Victim, and The Fast Sword. Uh, also a man who's mostly known as a villain in most of his roles, but uh, plays a different one. This is young, very young in his career, and he plays a, a good guy here. And Tian Feng as Master Young Cheng Feng, who you would, might might know best from One Armed Swordsman. He was also in Fist of Fury, with I'm sorry, with uh, Bruce Lee. So you might know him from there. Uh, Tian Feng, a very very uh, underrated actor in my eyes. And the tagline for this film is "Reunited, and it feels so good." So what's this about? A nobleman is killed, and his land seized. His five sons are rescued and sent off separately to survive. Now a woman brings them together so they may be, so they may get their revenge. So this is one of those lesser known Shaw films I keep saying I'm going to watch. Well, I finally did. I have to say, there's not a dull moment in the film. Tons of fighting. Unfortunately, um, unlike the film that we just reviewed before this, this happens at the expense of character development, as well as the plot, which seems a bit hastily put together. Now, not that I'm saying this was anything that needed a ton of dialogue to grasp. It's pretty simple. We have an evil lord with a seemingly endless amount of thugs at his disposal. And now a group of loners who all have separate issues with them find out, somewhat conveniently, that they're all brothers. While there is a ridiculous amount of kung fu action... I have to say it's not the best quality. Um, fight choreography was sketchy at best, and many scenes were relegated to a hero just swinging wildly while baddies ran into their strikes. The final fight um, scene was done much better and does stand out against a lot of the other stuff. And maybe the best fight sequences went to Cheng Pai Pai, not that I find that to be that surprising, because he is just amazing. And speaking of Miss Cheng, she by far carried this vehicle acting-wise as well. Her screen presence has always been a joy for me. She is my favorite of the Shaw ladies, and it's really easy to see why just in this film. Uh, the brothers had varying degrees of charisma, but it was Lole, who while maybe having the least bit of screen time, who did the most with it. I found Cheng Li was a bit underused in this film, but, I mean, this was very early in his career, as I said. And my guess is Lo Wei didn't know what he had. Now, this is nothing groundbreaking. Oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even characterize it as a classic, to be honest. But if you're in the mood for some kung fu action, this would definitely not bore you. Um, take it for what it is. Don't act so much more than, than really than fights. And you should enjoy it. You know, um, like I said, it's not much on plot. Not much of character development. Like I said, it's really just a lot. You know, it's like 90 minutes. Or actually, maybe even closer to 80 minutes. Of just a lot, a lot of fight scenes. But sometimes, that's all you really want to watch when you're watching this genre of film. But, you know, I gave it a 5.5 out of 10. Uh, like I said, you know, it's good. It's a good way to spend a good 80 minutes or so. Watch some good Chang Pai Pai action. Okay. So. 
We now move to our wild card selection, which is a film that I feel maybe the hardcores of you have definitely seen, but maybe some of the the novices may have not had a chance to watch, and I think you should. And the one I'm going to review this time is Reign of Assassins, Hong Kong, 2010. Directed by Su Chao Pin, who was probably, I guess, best known for the film Silk, and co-directed by John Woo, and I'm going to get to a little more about that a little later. Now, of course, I feel like I don't even need to say what John Woo's famous for. You better know. I'm not even going to say what he's known for. If you don't know John Woo, then you need to pause this and Google John Woo, and let's look at what is maybe the greatest Hong Kong director of all time. So, let's go into the cast, which is starring the fantastic Michelle Yeoh, who plays Zen Jing. Michelle Yeoh, who's been in so many things. Uh, she's been in Super Cop. She was just in season two of Marco Polo. She was in the last season of Strike Back, if you watch that great, great Cinemax TV show. Tai Chi Master, the star of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and she has the distinction of, I believe, being the only Asian Bond girl ever as she was in Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, also starring Jung Woo Sung, who plays Zhang Ah-Sheng, who was in The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. He plays The Good. He was in Cold Eyes. Uh, he plays the antagonist in that. He was great. And recently in Asura City of Madness. Now, he is a Korean actor, but... Uh, he was in a Hong Kong production here. So he definitely has a little bit of range. Also starring Wang Shuki as the Wheel King, um, also known as Kao Feng in the film. Uh, best known for Bodyguards and Assassins. You might also know him as Dr. Wu in Iron Man 3. Uh, he is another really, really good actor who I feel is not given a lot of credit he deserves. And also starring... Sean Yu, who plays Lai Bin, uh, you would know him from the Infernal Affairs trilogy, most notably for part two in which he stars in, uh, which is the prequel, but the, he is, has small roles in, uh, parts one and three. Also Wild City, and maybe Shamo, if you've seen Shamo, uh, he's been in that. And my tagline for this film are, is, I should say, secrets are deadlier than the sword. So this is about a former assassin on the run who changes her face and finds a new life. But the past, as you can expect, does find her. So one thing let's start off right on the top of here is the John Wu factor. Now, John has said publicly that he really wasn't much of a co-director and more really of just a consultant. Well, as years went by, we have heard rumors that Mr. Wu, who maybe really underplayed his influence on this film. Now, when you watch this, it doesn't have a lot of the Wu-isms, for lack of a better word, that most of his films contain. But still, I see his influence here greatly. And let's add to the fact that the director, Xu Chao Pin, has never directed a major motion picture again. Despite him receiving a Hong Kong Film Critics Society Award for this. That even more makes me feel like this may have really been more of a John Woo film than advertised. 
So, to the story itself. It is a little complex, but, again, easy to follow. Uh, we have quite a few colorful characters, and all of them pretty much have their own agendas. And I just love stuff like this. You know, again, don't want to give away any secrets here, and there are a few. But what we have is there are two parts of a monk's remains. And legend has it, these two halves together have a spiritual power. And the martial world is out hunting for them. Now our protagonist, played by Michelle Yeoh, has one half, which is why she's being hunted. But as I said, there's so much that is revealed that it really makes this film so multi-layered. There's just so much more going on besides that premise. The acting is top-notch. I mean, Michelle is, as always, just a joy. Not only to look at beauty-wise, but she truly is an incredible actress. As I said, Wang Ju-Ki is also great as our evil lord with secrets of his own. But really, everyone, even Sean Yu, who I am not a fan of, holds their own here. And I feel that's just another nod to the directing, which again makes me feel it's an odd, a nod, I should say, to Mr. Wu. As far as the martial arts sequences, uh, they are sublime. Uh, there is you know, just so many great, great battles here. And now this is a Wuxia film, or Wuxia, depends on how you, I guess Wuxia is the correct pronunciation. And some do wail against this genre, but I never have. Um, to me, it's no different than watching a sci-fi film. Yes, people don't fly around in real life, but this is a movie. So, you know, all I can say is lighten up, people, and enjoy for what it is. I especially enjoyed watching Michelle and her water-shedding sword technique. Uh, some very original choreography done with her in this film. We also get a battle with flaming swords. Uh, just cool visuals, which is one of the main aspects that remind me of other Wu films. There's a, there's a lot, a lot of battles. Everyone kind of has... Their own styles and their own looks. We have a magician, like I said, who uses flaming swords. Um, Sean Yu plays more of a, you know, I don't want to say average because there's nothing average about him, but more of a, you know, what you would normally see out of a swordsman in these films. Uh, but again, everybody kind of has their own uh, distinct styles, and that just uh, adds to where well, it's just a really fun film. This really is just a splendid mix of action, intrigue, romance, and comedy. And yes, I do need to talk about the romance and the comedy. Um, I have heard some not be happy with the film because in the middle of the film, it kind of takes a turn away from the action to more of a light-hearted fair where um, one of our actors, uh, Jiang Ah Sheng, played by Jung Woo Sung, is trying to woo Michelle Yeoh's character. And there are some funny scenes as Michelle Yeoh is understandably very distrusting of anyone. And um, so it's kind of putting him through the paces to kind of make sure he is what he says he is. And so that leads uh, for some fun moments. And um, there is some general romance and there is definitely a love story uh, woven into this film. Um, it, and it's a large part of the film is this romance and but I don't think it takes away from the film at all I think it's done well I think it's a heartwarming way it's portrayed and so I don't think it takes away from the film at all which sometimes I don't think is the case so 
Um, yes, there is. This is not just a nonstop martial arts action film. Many wuxia films do have that kind of romantic element to it, and I think this is done better than a lot of them. So um, this, that does not take away from this film at all, in my opinion. And so I just really feel overall, I just really found that this film just put a, a genuine smile on my face. And again, as always, I had saw, I had saw this at the uh, New York Asian Film Festival a few years ago, and we watched it before doing this podcast, as I always do, because I like to get a, a fresh viewing of the film before I speak about it. And I have to say, the film put a smile on my face more than once, and that's not easy for one so jaded as I can be at times. So I gave this a seven and a half out of ten, and uh, definitely a film. Um, I'm pretty sure you can find this on Netflix. I just watched my own personal copy of it, but it's not a film that should be hard to find at all. And I definitely think, even if you're not a fan of John Woo or you're a fan of Wuxia films or anything like that, I still think it's a film that you would enjoy. And that's our show. When we return, we will be viewing Master, the new. Yi Byung Hun's thriller, which I have just recently seen. I'm not sure what else will be in store just yet, but remember to check out our Facebook and Twitter pages. We are Asian Cinema Fusion on Facebook, and we are at AZN Cinema Fusion on Twitter. And as always, I, I like to share trailers there as well that you guys know in uh, the East Coast. If there's any, uh, you know, special screenings or festivals coming up. I try to let people know in my general area. And if I hear stuff about other areas as well, I, I, I do kind of try to let you guys know about it. Um, I love watching Asia Cinema on the big screen. Of course, I love watching on the small screen. I love watching on any screen, but there's nothing better than going to a festival or a special screening where you're, you know, sharing the experience with fans like you. And so I'm always going to try to let you guys know I want to hear stuff about that. So uh, you can enjoy it as well. And of course, you know, if I'm going to be there as well, and um, you happen to see me or recognize me, you always come up and say hello. Uh, say hello. And I always appreciate uh, chatting about Asian cinema with any fans like myself. So as always, I want to thank you guys for listening. And bye-bye.